friends, our guest today is a political blogger residing in the Pacific Northwest. He grew up in liberal New York and found work as a designer, illustrator, and graphic artist, eventually relocating to the West Coast and shifting his political stance more conservatively. He is an educated, well-spoken, articulate individual, and we had a great conversation about the political state of the country and why someone would vote for Donald Trump. Here is my friend, Brian Ravenswood. So, yeah, let's talk about the state of the world, the the state of the (laughs) the United States and the the political climate, Uh and everybody's mad at everybody. Uh Yeah. Did you have a jumping off point you wanted to question you wanted to ask? Well, I guess, I mean, you started to get into it for a second before we started, but Mm -hmm. uh, as much as you want to give your background, what is your background? Uh, Well, like I told you before, my background is I grew up in New York City, in Manhattan, and and the Bronx. I went to public schools. Uh, They were heavily, you know, all the schools I went to were completely integrated, um, predominantly black. You know, uh, it was like maybe... My high school was about 1,500 black students, 500 white. The white most of the white kids were Jewish, but mm-hmm. there was also you know, Hispanic, Korean. Um, I had friends who were from Iran. I had friends from Turkey. I had friends from Mexico. I had all friends. My friends that I grew up with were all from, you name it, they were from <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I went to art school in the 80s in Greenwich Village, which, you know, pretty much the hotbed of liberal thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was <clears throat> went to art school, became an artist, was around nothing but other artists. Uh, my teachers were all hardcore leftists, liberals. Some were devout communists. Um, you know, they at the time Reagan was president, so you couldn't take a class on uh, animation like you, without the teacher going into some diatribe about how much he hated Reagan. Mm-hmm. Like, we, you know, you'd be studying Walt Disney, and all of a sudden, teacher would be like, <laughs> I mean, literally, you'd be like, what was that? The point of this class was <clears throat> we're studying stick figure animation and suddenly we're getting a lesson on how how much the Reagan administration stinks. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but <clears throat> that's the environment I was pretty much immersed in, you know. So do you think that – I mean it's it's become more prevalent now, yeah? Uh-huh. Or you're saying it was pretty common back then too? Well, all right. Considering where I was, I mean, it was like New York, San Francisco. I mean, these were hotbeds of, of left wing intellectual thought, mm-hmm. you know. And they were they were these were blue states. They were blue cities. They only you know you couldn't. When I lived in New York, if you were a Republican, you could not get elected to office. It was just impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, people just voted Democrat. That was it. <clears throat> you know, you'd go to a party, you'd meet people who were complete strangers. They would just assume you were a Democrat because. Uh, they'd never either never met a Republican or they never met a Republican that admitted to being one. Mm-hmm. So you got used to just sort of keeping your thoughts to yourself. It was, let's put it, it was like being, I equate it to being a Yankees fan living in Boston hmm. where everyone's a Red Sox fan. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So you start, you don't say it out loud that you're a Yankees fan mm-hmm. because everybody around you doesn't like the Yankees. So, yeah. okay, fine. You just, you just roll with the, you know, you roll with it. You realize people don't like hearing about Whatever they don't want to hear your political views, so you just stop talking. Um, so, like I said, I mean, you know, we'd spend late nights up in the dorm discussing politics and philosophy, and everybody was on the left. Everybody hated Reagan. Um, you know, I there were people that were pro Soviet Union. <clears throat> there were people that believed in Karl Marx. Which, once again, when you're in college, that's kind of the norm. I just figured that was the you know, one of the things about being in college was a lot of discussion. Yeah. 
Um, now the problem came, I spent uh, a lot of my childhood studying World War II. I was a real history buff. And um, I had teachers in junior high and high school who were Holocaust survivors. They had the tattoo in their arm. Yeah. <clears throat> they used to show it to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the summer, they wear short sleeve shirts. You couldn't help but see it. Um, there was a woman, uh, Mrs. Wasserman, I'm sure she's not even alive now, but in junior high, I mean, she told us as a child when the Nazis came, they came to her house, they took her entire family away. Uh, she was sent to Auschwitz. Uh, she was the only one to survive. Uh, I learned about the Holocaust from people who were there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm not, I'm saying that my knowledge of history was, you know, <clears throat> better than anybody else's, but I just knew a great deal from being, I just found it hard, in New York, it was hard not to be exposed to so many different people because you were around so many immigrants sure. all the time. Um, you were around people from Czechoslovakia, Poland, Latvia, uh, England, Sweden, you know, Brazil, Japan. I mean, like I said, I had friends who were South Korean from, you know, kindergarten on. I had a good friend of mine was from Iran in the first grade. Um, so these people would just tell you their life story. You just, mm -hmm. you just got to know them. <clears throat> so when I got to college, this is where I began to notice a disconnect in the people who considered themselves intellects or intellectuals were badly cut off from, dare I say it, reality. In that, um, you know, I had one friend who was said, uh, he made this comment. He said, uh, why are we so convinced communism is bad? I mean, what did they ever do? And I said to him, well, for ex I say, I'll give you one example. At the end of World War II, we all signed an agreement. The Soviets and the West signed an agreement that we would pull out. We would pull out of Western Europe. They'd pull out of Eastern Europe. We pulled out of Western Europe. They stayed in Eastern Europe. Uh, Poland um, and some other countries, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, had freely elected governments that had fled Nazi. When the Nazis took over, their governments fled in exile and, moved, and lived in England. <clears throat> when the war ended, the idea was that like Poland's elected government would come back into office. Well, what happened is the Soviets installed a puppet regime. They put an arrest warrant out for the legitimate rule, you know, the legit the president, the vice president of Poland. I'm not sure if they even called that whatever premier, yeah. whatever the term is. Anyway, <clears throat> they said if you ever set foot in Poland again, you're gonna you're gonna be arrested and sent to a labor camp. Uh, the Soviets completely reneged on the agreement we had, and that's when the Iron Curtain went up, um, and that's when tensions began to boil, and that's when, you know, we put troops back, you know, <clears throat> we began putting troops and bases all over Western Europe. But it was all because we had agreed on something, and the Soviets had backtracked. They had thrown the deal out the window and basically installed their regimes in countries the people didn't want them uh, you know, if you look at, the, for example, the solidarity, move, solidarity movement in Poland was was a complete, you know, years of the workers saying, we don't want communism anymore. Mm -hmm. My friends weren't aware of that. They weren't aware of the solidarity movement. They'd never heard of Lech Walesa, who led the solidarity movement. They'd never heard of all these people who had been fighting communism. Uh, they know. just latched onto it as an idea and felt that it was right, even though they didn't really know exactly what it meant. Right. I I equate it to, and I'm you know I don't mean this to be insulting, but I equate it to a child's point of view, and that a child hears like communism does preach a certain amount, of, you know, brotherhood amongst all. We share. Everybody does the same thing. As a kid, you probably you know <laughs> if you're five years old, you hear that. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. The problem is, there's an adult. It's sort of like. Um, you know, kids hear, you know, when you're a child and you hear your, your dad makes 
I don't know, 40 grand a year or something. To, your, to a kid, that sounds like a fortune, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, as a kid, 40 grand sounds like, wow, that's globs of money. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, you realize, yeah, <laughs> a chunk of that goes to taxes. Another chunk goes to rent or, or all the bills we have to pay, mm -hmm. food, medical, insurance, gab, blah, 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 blah. So an adult knows 40 grand is not a lot of money, yeah. you know? So it's like I said, a child's point of view, a child hears about communism and it sounds wonderful, but there's a dark side. And once it um, comes into, into fruition, it's completely different from what it claims to be. Well, yeah, I mean, every example of a communist country has mm -hmm. not turned out well. Right. I mean, North Korea, mm -hmm. uh, China in mm -hmm. certain ways, um, well, Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, I don't know... I, I understand the desire to support a, a, a country of people and help people uh -huh. uh, and provide for them in certain ways. Uh -huh. But going that far, that direction, uh -huh. I don't know that you can do it. Uh -huh. And the, the issue is we have this, this huge spectrum <clears throat> of political ideologies and everybody thinks that whatever they support is the right one. Right. And honestly, I don't know if we found the right one. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem like democracy is working very well. Mm -hmm. uh, well, <clears throat> you know, that all goes back to, for example, the idea of utopianism. Like, you know, can we have a perfect society? And once again, as a grown-up, the answer to me is no. No, you're never going to have 100%. You're never going to have 100% employment. You're never going to have – somebody's always going to get screwed over. Some guy's always going to go to – there's always going to be some dude who was sent to prison. Mm -hmm who is totally innocent, <clears throat> but he got screwed over by the system. <clears throat> and a lot of people will be like, well, yeah, they'll, they'll say, well, yeah, if you're black, that happens all the time. But it's like, there was a documentary called The West Memphis Three. Did you ever see that? Mm -mm. All right, so it's, <clears throat> it's a pretty famous documentary. People like Bono and um, Bob Geldof, all these people got involved. But basically these three boys, three Caucasian boys in uh, West Memphis, I think it was Tennessee. Or Arkansas. I, anyway, uh, there was a horrific murder in there. It was a small town. There was this horrific murder. Three eight-year-old boys were strangled, and mm. and it was just brutal. Anyway, somehow, some way, these three teenagers got the cops focused on them because they drew satanic symbols on the cover of their notebooks. Mm -hmm. And apparently, <clears throat> I don't know. One of these kids bragged to somebody that he had done it. I, I don't know why you would do such a thing, but anyway, yeah. but teenage boys do a lot of stupid things. I mean, we were teenage boys. We, know, I mean, I look back some of the things I did, and I can't believe how dumb I was. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a whenever there's a murder like this when it involves children, particularly three innocent children, what follows is a, is a certain amount of hysteria. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the hysteria is rooted around let's get whoever did this and string them up. Well, these three kids got labeled as the killers. And they were completely railroaded, and um, they were going to get the death penalty unless they they took some plea where they had to they had to plead guilty, so they would all get life in prison. Which to me was just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I don't think the documentary was that good because <clears throat> excuse me, there had to be more to it than that. You can't get a conviction from people drawing doodles on a notebook. That just doesn't sound plausible. You know? No. Well, I'm, I think <clears throat> I think you're right. There's like a desire to when when something awful like that happens, there's a desire to 
instantly find whoever is yeah. responsible for it. <clears throat> and you can't always tell who did it. Yeah. Uh, but that's what people want. People want justice. Um, well, I found it. I watch a lot of foren those forensic shows mm -hmm. where the police look for microfibers. When they go to a murder scene, they, they find an eyelash. Yeah. And they have all sorts of technology and stuff. And I was watching this documentary and I'm like, I didn't see any of that employed. I mean, three little boys are murdered in the woods. I, I would imagine the forensic evidence has got to be, you know, right and left everywhere you look. I didn't see this. Well, in what year was this? <clears throat> Must have been. I'm pretty sure it was the 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were talking about the 50s or no, 60s. No, no, no. This is Like recent. I said, if you look it up, it's, it was pretty recent. Mm -hmm. and, and it was on HBO. Mm -hmm. Like I said, people like um, Bono, a bunch of celebrities got involved. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was relatively recent. Mm. But I, did, I was just sort of like, where's the forensics? Where's yeah. the, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> the point I was making was these three white kids got the shaft. Mm -hmm. And they went to prison. I think they went to prison for 18 years before somebody reopened the case, you know. And my point is somebody's, it's unfortunately the world we live in is not a pleasant place. Yeah. Somebody's always going to get screwed for some reason or another, you know. Um, you know, I don't know if you're in my, in my blog, I don't know if you read my article about white privilege, mm -hmm. but I went down the list. Of, there are so many jobs <clears throat> that I was promised. There were so many, I was promised uh, promotions at certain jobs. I was promised all these things that never came about because uh, somebody's nephew needed. <laughs> need, yeah, that's yeah. nepotism. Yeah. Or nepotism. And, I mean, I got screwed so many times in so many positions that I, you know, I could say now I'm pretty burned out. I don't trust anybody that I work for anymore. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the issue with that is that there are a lot of people on a number of sides that want to paint a picture where something happens for a certain reason. Uh -huh. Really, the only person that should get hired for a job uh -huh. should be the one that's qualified. Right. It doesn't matter if they're male or female, black uh -huh. or white or whatever. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I don't know what the correct way to do that is. Uh -huh. Like if it's some sort of anonymous test that you take online or something. But there, that's the thing. Like when you go to a job interview with somebody, uh -huh. they're hiring you partially because of the way you can interact with someone. Right. And there's no way around that because I'm going to see what you look like and uh -huh. what color you are and, and whether you're male or female. So uh -huh. I don't know how you do that objectively. Uh -huh. See, once again, this perspective to me is, is it's 2021. And I'm hearing this and, I, and it sound, people talk like it's 1961. And the reason I say I find this odd is because, so I started, my career began in the late 80s. Uh, I started working for the Associated Press as an artist, believe it or not, doing news graphics. Hmm. <clears throat> Since then, I've had bosses who are black women. I've had bosses who are Hispanic women. I've, I've worked for lesbians. I've worked for gay men. Uh, I had a boss once who was a Jamaican woman. Uh, you know, I've had bosses that were Chinese. I, once again, I've had boss. I've worked for a lot of women. I worked at an ad agency that was started once by two women, and they were, you know, trying to get it up and running off the ground, and it was successful for a while. I don't know what happened to it. I think it folded maybe ten or twelve years later, but that's the nature of advertising. But um, <clears throat> you know, I just I worked for a lot of different people, and some were white males, some were <coughs> black males, some were black women. I never, once again, and people are now people are talking about how can we. You know, how can we open up the glass ceiling? And I'm just like, I never saw that, you know? I, once again, maybe it's where I was living or where I grew up. 
I think there's lots of factors. Uh, But the thing that I am interested in is how it has changed. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have a real reference because I've only been in the job market for 20 years or so. Uh I don't know. I like to think that we've progressed from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s to now. Uh But unfortunately, the thing that you see is a lot of angry people posting shit online saying that it's the worst it's ever been. Right. Things are terrible. Right. And it's clickbait. It's uh-huh. it's the things that are the most outrageous are the ones that people are going to pay attention to. Uh-huh. And so it's so hard to tell what is really happening and whether uh-huh. or not we're making progress or uh-huh. if things are just awful. <clears throat> uh-huh. I would say we've we've made more progress than anybody can we've even fathomed. I think if Dr. King were alive, he'd be shocked. And here's what's weird. We're having this conversation after we had two terms of a black president. And now we're acting like that never happened. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, You know when uh, years after Obama left office, we're talking about white supremacy as a problem. It's like, how did he get elected? How did he get reelected? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <clears throat> uh, it just doesn't add up when you think about it. The, <clears throat> now, the problem is, and <clears throat> you know, you may call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but the problem to me is that you have the majority of media comes from two cities in the country, comes from New York and LA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those places are populated by people that vote a certain way and think a certain way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now I lived in New York almost my entire life. Now I could go for, I could go on for four or five hours discussing this, but I'm not going to go off on this tangent. But the people that live in New York live in a bubble. They are cut off for the most part from the rest of the country. And they don't like the rest of the country. They consider themselves their own country. (laughs) They don't even like the other. So New York is made of five boroughs. And the one that's most famous is Manhattan, where everything you hear about happens in Manhattan. And then you have Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island. That's where you have more of your blue-collar people that come into Manhattan every day. They're your firemen, your garbage men, the people that work the grocery stores live in the outer boroughs. The people who live in Manhattan see themselves as um, some kind of aristocratic royalty. They think of themselves as superior to those. Sure. And they don't even want to acknowledge that those boroughs are part of the city. Um, some of them don't even call that New York, which is ridiculous because they all have the same mayor. How can you have the same mayor and not be in the same city? It doesn't make any sense. You know. Well, the other, the other weird thing, too, is like it is, it is literally called a melting pot. Right. There are more different types of people from mm-hmm. different countries mm-hmm. it can consolidate in one area than right. probably any other place on earth. Yeah. But yet it it, mm-hmm. it breeds that certain thought process like you're saying. <clears throat> well, that, one of the greatest things about living in New York is you can visit another country in about a half hour. Okay, with, by, by that I mean one day, <clears throat> so I was living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, a friend of mine called me up and he goes, he goes, hey, I want, I want to have Korean food. And I go, okay. He goes, you want to go with me? I go, sure. I go, do you know a place? He goes, no, no. He goes, I don't want to, I don't want to go to a re- Korean restaurant. He goes, I want to go out. So there was a huge Korean neighborhood in Flushing, Queens, where all the street signs are in Korean. Hmm. Everything, when you walk down the block, everything, there's no English anywhere. And he goes, I want to go to that neighborhood, and I want to go into a restaurant and eat there. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So like I said, it took about a half hour to get out there. And sure, like I said, the, even the stop signs are in Korean. And we went to a restaurant <clears throat> and we sat down 
and no one spoke English in the restaurant. And this waitress came over, a very nice woman, and she, she couldn't speak any English. <clears throat> and she tried to tell us that we couldn't eat Korean food because Korean food, is, it's very, very hot mm. compared to, like your palate has to be sort yeah. of geared towards that. And she kept trying to tell us that we couldn't eat the food. <clears throat> Finally, she went and got the manager. And he came out, very nice guy, and he spoke English. He goes, he goes, listen, guys, uh, you know, he goes, I, I don't mind you eating here. That's not the problem. He goes, but Korean food is kind of brutal. <laughs> he goes, the American tongue. <laughs> so my friend loves spicy food. He loves very hot food. And he was like, he's like, I don't care. I want you to bring me the hottest dish here. Yeah. And, um, you know, <clears throat> anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. So they brought out authentic Korean food. He ate the whole thing. The staff were watching him from the kitchen. They were all huddling, <laughs> you know, and um, we event, we got to eat for free because the staff was so impressed by my friend. That he ate it. That he ate it. His head didn't explode. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I had, I had boiled chicken and rice. I was not going to try. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> but, um, but my point is, it's like, where else can you, I'm sure there's other cities where you can do this, but it's got to be rare mm -hmm. where I used to eat Afghan food. Because it was an Afghan family that opened a, a restaurant down the block for me. Mm -hmm. And I got hooked eating it. And everybody that made it was from Afghanistan. And I'm sure it was kind of watered down to fit to the American palate. But it was still amazing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, New York is a big mixed stew of, of cultures and people. And people that get along – once again, there's all this negativity. But if you really think about it, people get along there way better than, than you can imagine. Yeah. You know? So – but my point was this, is that the the people who are educated, I guess you would call the, the white-collar types that are the upper echelons of the city, they do sort of have a clueless point. They live in a castle. They look down on everyone as peons and they consider the rest of the country worthless. Mm -hmm. There was a very famous magazine cover. Do you remember the, the, the New Yorker had this cover? It was called How New Yorkers See the World. And <clears throat> it basically, they, it was uh, 9th Avenue and 10th Avenue, and those butt right up against the Hudson River. And then there was just like empty space. And then on the horizon was LA. Mm. And <clears throat> between New York and LA, there was just this vast wasteland, of, you know, and they drew a couple trees. And it's, it's literally how they view the rest of the world. And when I lived there, it was annoying, okay? Now I see it as dangerous mm -hmm. because all our media, publish, publishing, TV, movies, everything comes from these two sources. And those people, and I'm not saying that it's a conspiracy, I'm saying it's an attitude that just, it just filters right into everything they do. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's not true, it's quite bigoted, it's it's myopic. It's it's shallow. It's closed-minded. It's very closed-minded. You know? That's that's the issue is that there are a lot of ideas and a lot of different opinions uh -huh. everywhere in the world, uh -huh. and and even more so in this country. Uh -huh. And there is this tendency to place a person in a certain bubble right. based on some thought they have. Uh -huh. And once you get placed in that other bubble, you're either a friend uh -huh. or an enemy. Uh -huh. And that's the, the fucking depressing part is that we all got to live here together. Uh -huh. And you're never going to change somebody's mind. Uh -huh. If they're like firmly be believe in something, uh -huh. you're never going to change their mind. So uh -huh. it it should be more of like 
trying to understand people uh-huh. and trying to figure out a way to live together. Because uh-huh. other than that, what do you do? You separate the country uh-huh. and you let red people live here and blue people live here. Well. And then, I, <clears throat> I mean, I would like to see that experiment. I don't think it would work, but. Uh, we may very well be on our way to dividing into, tw- you know, 25 states cutting off and from the other 25, you know. I don't know how that's going to, you know, I don't know what's, <laughs> how or when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the the real, all right, so I like I explained to you in the email, the problem now is that, um, you know, in the 60s, like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, we had, you had liberals and conservatives. And uh, from what I understand in Congress, Democrats and Republicans used to go to lunch together. Hmm. You know, it didn't matter who, what side they were on when, when they were done debating, they would go eat together. <clears throat> Apparently in the 90s that stopped. And now they don't eat lunch at all. They don't commit, they don't, they don't socialize at all. A line was drawn. Now, if you study America in the 1850s before the Civil War, you start to see similar things beginning, people beginning to divide. Um, neighbors stop talking to each other, you know, <clears throat> you know, one neighbor's against slavery, another's for, another one's for separation, one's for, you know, staying union. You had neighbors beginning to not, not talk, not socialize, <clears throat> and then eventually beating each other severely with whatever the, you know, baseball sure. bats or whatever. <clears throat> that was a prelude to the Civil War. Okay. Um, I hate to say it now, if you, if you look at the violence, there are many instances now where there are, is violence cut across political lines. Mm-hmm. And of course, the media is is trying to hide it. But um, yeah, I mean, things are getting, but it's like you said, if you don't, <clears throat> the problem I see it is the difference between leftism and liberalism. So like I said, when I was in high school, my teachers were liberals. They be- They believed in, excuse me, they believe in an open exchange of ideas, of, dis- of a discussion, mm-hmm. okay? Leftists don't, leftists don't share the same values as liberals. That's one thing liberals, unfortunately, don't, aren't aware of. They, are, they have, <clears throat> the leftists have now inundated the Democrat Party and sort of taken the reins. When you say leftist, you mean like far left, L- farther <clears throat> left than a liberal. Right. Okay. Right. Let's put it this way, a liberal still values the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, freedom of speech, freedom of press, uh, freedom of worship, uh, whatever religion you want. Mm -hmm. Leftists don't have those values. They see freedom of speech as an annoyance. They see the Bill of Rights as a a nuisance. Uh, I I completely believe they would get rid of it if they had the chance. Mm -hmm. And and you say, well, why is that? It's like, well, (laughs) I live in Portland, walk down the street. I mean, you see people attacked, you know. a friend of mine said to me, he goes, wouldn't it be funny to go around at night and put Trump bumper, bumper stickers on cars, you know, to see what would happen? And I, I was like, that's funny, except that you might get somebody killed. You would. And that isn't a joke. I'm not, right? I mean, look, you just agree with me. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. We're getting, when you get to the point where somebody might get killed, mm-hmm. it's not funny anymore. And yeah. it's it's actually quite severe. It's quite serious. The thing is, leftists have, they don't believe in the concept of humility or, you know, or self, you know, <clears throat> introspection, uh, self-examination. They don't listen to a diff- different point of view. They're right. They're, you know, whatever they say, you know, if they label you a fascist, you're a fascist. That's it. It's over. Um, <clears throat> you look at someone like J.K. Rowling, <coughs> who used to be their hero. She was 
on the left. She she uh, supported all sorts of left wing causes. Uh, you know, she was pro gay marriage. She was pro all these things until <clears throat> you know the trans thing came along, mm -hmm. and she was like, "Well, wait a minute." I guess that's where she drew the line, where they wanted to have men, men who claim to be women using women's locker rooms. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, J.K. Rowling came out and said, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Bamo. Yeah. She was brain. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. now the enemy. Yeah. Now, if you know anything about the communist revolution or, or how, how the communists took over in Russia or China or any other place, these people are called counter-revolutionaries in that after the revolution, things don't, they start noticing things not going the way they were supposed to and the poor having less food than they did before and they make the mistake of speaking up, bammo, now you're an enemy of the state. Yes. You know, um, you're seeing it. You're seeing that, I don't know what you want to call it. It's strange how identical it almost unfolds in the same What's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a software program that's decompressing after you've downloaded it. Sure. You know, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what computer it's on. It has the same set of behaviors. Um, you're seeing it now here where, you know, leftists, they do not respect another opinion. Not only do they, they don't respect another opinion, if you have a different opinion, you're the enemy and that's it, you know. Yeah, I agree. It uh, It's become too combative mm. and too extreme and the fact that you're unable to discuss certain things uh -huh. is pretty disappointing. Right. Like you you instantly become labeled a Nazi uh -huh. if you oppose a certain idea. Well, right. It's like, <clears throat> no, do you know what Nazis are? Right. Do you remember that? Uh -huh. uh, it's, it's wild. And I told you when I reached out to you, I uh -huh. consider myself liberal. Uh -huh. I consider most of my uh, ideas and ide uh, ideologies to be on the left, uh -huh. but I like to hope that I'm open-minded enough to hear uh -huh. things from both sides. Right. I don't subscribe 100% to anything. Uh -huh. I, I have my brain I have now, uh -huh. and I constantly try to learn stuff every day to try to increase my knowledge and figure out what I think I'm doing. Uh -huh. If you just plant your feet in one thing, uh -huh. And, and stick with it forever, yeah. like that's not growing. Not only that, we have examples throughout history of how that's ca catastrophic thinking. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, I have a friend who I said that to and he goes, where? And I'm like, what do you mean where? I mean, <laughs> you can't possibly, you know, he's 56 years old. I'm like, you can't possibly be 56 and not have absorbed something from, mm -hmm. from, from the 20th century or before, you know, but... Um, what was I going to say? The, uh, I, you know, I had a girlfriend once who was very left wing mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she asked me if I was racist, like point blank. She goes, are you racist? I was like, well, no. And she said, well, how would you prove that? And I, I, I've had in my life, I've dated three different black women. I've had three different black girlfriends and I'm like, well, why, you know, why would a racist date black women? Mm -hmm. And I've, I've also dated several Mexican women and, um, and she was like, well, you can still be racist and date black women. And you see, now this is where you're crossing the line into thought control, brainwashing, the lack of critical thought. Yeah. Okay. You cannot date a black woman and hate black people. You can't. <laughs> it seems pretty logical. Well, it just, it's not possible it's, yeah. it, that you would spend all that time, the intimacy, the getting to know somebody, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hanging out on the couch, watching movies together and, yeah. and hate someone's guts. Yeah. You know, and leftist thought removes critical thought. 
Yeah. Like they're not, and I'm, and I'm sure I'm going to make a lot of people mad saying this, but it's true. They're not capable of, of recalibrating what they, they were told. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I have, between you and me, I have no idea how this was accomplished, how this, 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 this uh, mental uh, it's gotten It's gotten uh, really extreme in the last few years. And I uh-huh. think a lot of it has to do with COVID. Uh-huh. And like I told you previously, that's the part that scares me the most is this idea that if you don't fully subscribe to getting vaccinated and wearing a mask uh-huh. and doing all these hardcore precautions uh-huh. to not get a virus that has been proven by uh-huh. the CDC and a number of government institutions to not be a significant threat to most healthy people, right? especially children. Uh-huh. If you do not fully embrace this uh-huh. and get on board with it, you're a Trump-loving piece uh-huh. of shit uh-huh. who uh, wants to kill people. And <clears throat> that is that is ludicrous. But see, once again, that's the thing. No one's asking questions. Mm-hmm. No one's asking. The, predom- the people who die predominantly from COVID are over 65 and obese. Yes, with comorbidities. Right. And if you're not in that zone, you're not, you know, I'm not saying you can't die. It's, it's There are certainly examples of it, you know. But we know the majority don't. Now, my parents are 89 years old. Uh, last summer, they both had full bone. They got COVID. They were, they were sick for about five weeks and they lived, you know. <laughs> and I mean, for five weeks, I was kind of scratching my hand thinking, oh my God, this could be, this could be it. But they got over it and they survived. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they were in that, they were in that death zone there, yeah. you know. But, you know, once again, no one's asking the questions anymore. Like, why are we acting this way? You know, this is not, um, you know, they like to point out like, last year, 600 children died from COVID. Okay. But a thousand children died from pneumonia. Yeah. Well, then what does that tell you? Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> there's also something else. It's uh, this whole thing with the vaccine. So Israel has something like 97% vaccinated their population. And apparently Germany is the most vaccinated country in Europe. Hmm. Both their hospitals are filled with COVID cases, like beyond capacity. So if you can think critically, the first thing you're like is you're, you have to say, well, if they have 97% vaccination rate, why would their hospitals be full of COVID patients? And <clears throat> I have friends that still live back east who are, if I ask the question too, they're like, oh, well, that's because uh, you can, you know, once you're vaccinated, you, your chances of getting it are 10 times higher. And you're like, dude, did you just realize what you just said? I, I don't understand how you're, you know, when I was a kid, I got a polio shot once. <laughs> and the idea was... So I wouldn't get polio. <clears throat> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a different virus. It, mm-hmm. it mutates mm-hmm. and there will continue to be variants just like we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking about this uh, new one that's- uh, Omicron. Omicron, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it will continue to mutate and continue to wreak havoc mm-hmm. and- you you're not going to stop it, right? And so what? No one's talking about like what is the end game? Mm-hmm. Like every, the general advice right now is to get vaccinated, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But we're we're going on two years now, right? And then and it, it just keeps <clears throat> changing. And then you need a booster, <clears throat> right? Yeah. But here's the thing: when you got vaccinated for measles and smallpox and and polio, you needed a booster ten years later. Not, not 10 weeks. Yeah. You know, once again, nothing's adding up here. No, And no one's asking these questions. Mm-hmm. 
And and you're like, you're right. What's the end game? The to me, the end game is this. COVID will be with us for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. It'll probably be like a seasonal flu, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, SARS or something, you know. But it's never going to go away, you know, and it's going to continue to mutate. But but why are, we, why are we throwing our civilization down the drain, you know? Yeah, there's no real critical thought. There's mm -hmm. no serious questions being asked. There is um, – you either align yourself with the people who get vaccinated and mm -hmm. care about the human race, mm -hmm. or you are a piece of shit and mm -hmm. you want everyone to die. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not that simple. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think you have, you know, on the left, you have people talking about abortion saying, well, my body, my choice, mm -hmm. right? Well, now it's not your body, your choice anymore because the government, you know, <laughs> the government's telling you point blank to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So suddenly you've lost that. That freedom, you know, you're not be able to, you're not able to make that decision, you know. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who's he has a kid who's five years old, and he's a Democrat, and he was he was saying to me, he's like, I don't want to give my kid this shot. Mm -mm. He's five. He's like, I don't I don't know what's in it. Yeah. But he once again, like you said, well, some people would call him a piece of shit and a piece of garbage, but he's asking the question, how do I know this is safe? Yeah. You Show know. me the data <clears throat> right. that says five-year-olds mm -hmm. are going to die from COVID. Right. There is no data. Right. It is very, mm -hmm. very minuscule, mm -hmm. the amount of children who get sick mm -hmm. from COVID and die. Right. And this vaccine, let's put it, let's be honest, it was rushed through. I mean, mm -hmm. we all know it was rushed through. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. I mean, I my philosophy was like, well, I'll wait and see, you know. I wait a while, watch everybody else get it. And if, if I don't see any side effects, then I'll do it too. That was, but then, you know, when people start telling you you have to do it or you're going to lose your job. Yeah, it's becoming mandated yeah. across a number of areas. And um, mm -hmm. my, my situation is uh, I went to see my doctor mm -hmm. who is just a standard Providence hospital doctor. Mm -hmm. just a regular guy. He told me his political beliefs, which I don't know why that should have to be a discussion, but he told me he's a liberal. He's mm -hmm. a... 45 year old guy, super healthy. Mm -hmm. He asked me if I was going to get it. This is in February of February of this year, 21. Right. And I told him I didn't plan on getting it. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, what do you do in the summer? And I go, well, I'm going to try to go to Europe. And he goes, well, you're going to have to get it then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I know. And so I made the choice to get vaccinated simply so I could go to Europe. Right. Because they wouldn't have let me in. And he, he told me, or when I asked him, I was like, do you think I should get it? He goes, I don't think you need it. Mm-hmm. If you are of a certain age group and of a certain health status mm -hmm. and you don't have significant bodily issues, mm -hmm. this in most situations is not going to affect you. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue with what's going on is there's no focus on helping people get healthy right. and figure out a way to exercise and eat better. Mm -hmm. It's just like, take this medicine and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And everyone that doesn't is garbage. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and then the question is, how did we go from what you just said, which is true? I mean, you looked at the facts and you made a decision, you know, you thought it out, you analyzed it. How did we go from that to this hysteria, mm -hmm. you know, where people are yelling, you know, <clears throat> I had a friend get yelled at, she went to a supermarket without her mask on and people started yelling at her, you know, I mean. Well, that's the crazy thing too, is like, it's different in different parts of the country. Like I have a friend who, uh, he was gonna move to uh, Belize Mm -hmm. And he can't make that happen now. And so he was in uh, Texas for a while and now he's in Florida. And he said, it, it, it's a different, it's a different situation compared yeah. to Portland. Yeah. You're, you're in the same country, mm -hmm. but the idea of how, how bad this thing is varies differently 
mm-hmm. based on what geographic area you're in. Yeah. It's nuts. I have a friend who said to me, um, she's a, she works in a, she's a caregiver at an old age home. And she goes, she's like, yeah, I heard that uh, COVID has killed more people than the, the second world war. And I'm like, I'm like 65 million people. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, what? I'm like, 65 million people were killed in the second world war. Yeah. I go, where did you get that figure? And she goes, oh, she goes, no, she's like, not 65 million. She goes, I just heard that it had killed more people. And I'm like, from who? Yeah. Who did you hear that from? <clears throat> and then you just believed it? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that's that's the issue with social media. And mm-hmm. we were talking about that earlier. Um, uh, Facebook locates and disables 2 billion fake accounts mm-hmm. per quarter. Wow. Two billion mm-hmm. per quarter mm-hmm. fake accounts. There's an insane amount of misinformation and disinformation that mm-hmm. gets spread. And I think that's part of the other problem is that you, I don't think anybody knows who to trust anymore. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to trust Fauci. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to trust Biden. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to trust Trump. I don't think mm-hmm. the, 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 I guess the general thing I'm just trying to get at is that why, why do we have this institution that you elect a single figure who is going to be the savior for everybody and make mm-hmm. decisions for everyone? I don't think anybody in that, that position of power really gives a shit about me or you. There are so many factors that allow them to make it to that position. Mm-hmm. So much money they're getting from corporations and, and from whoever – they're not ever really doing it for us. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't like politicians at all. I mean, you know, most of them couldn't run a most most people who get elected to office couldn't run a lemonade stand in Arizona. Yeah, you know, and turn a profit. I mean, that's unfortunately, and, and people love to agree with that until you talk about somebody that they voted for, and then they're like, "Well, no, but what about you know?" Yeah, but they're kind of you know they're kind of like fifth or sixth rate talent for the most part, you know? So we, to me, the, you know, if people say, well, what's the answer? I'm like, the answer should be, we should only vote for people that had a job. Like, some, like <laughs> yeah, I, would, right? I would rather vote for a guy or a woman who worked at Home Depot for yeah. 15 years uh-huh. because that person is more in touch with reality and what, what the average person goes through. Yeah. You know. Well, in, in that vein, and this is ageist, mm-hmm. I don't think we should allow somebody over 70 years old mm-hmm. to run for office. Mm-hmm. Like, why why is our president right now, what is Biden, 78? Yeah. He's an old man, mm-hmm. barely capable of keeping it together. And mm-hmm. he's in charge of the largest superpower in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be more beneficial to the country as a whole mm-hmm. to elect someone closer to the the central average age of everybody mm-hmm. who worked at Home Depot for 15 years. Right. You're right. Like right. you shouldn't have somebody who's a thousand years old mm-hmm. who has spent the last 50 years in politics. Mm-hmm. That person is incapable of mm-hmm. representing. 300 million people. Mm -hmm. They don't know what my struggle is or what your struggle is. Well, right there, you said this, you said it, 50 years in politics. You're not, you know, you're, you're going to work every day in a limo, you know, and there's like 
you know, you're eating shrimp cocktails for lunch that's provided for you. You know, they have a whole banquet buffet. You're not you're not commuting to work the, the way the average person does. You're living high off the you know, living in some kind of condo. Mm-hmm. Four or five bedroom condo in in DC. You're going to these galas with with celebrities and and world leaders. You're, com- you know, you're. <clears throat> it's it's what I call the Marie Antoinette complex. Remember when she, you know, they told her the she was uh, married to the King of France, and people came to her and said the the peasants are starving. They have no bread, and her response was, "Well, why don't they just eat cake?" You know, in other words, <laughs> yeah. she had no grasp because yeah. to her, cake and bread there was just there was so much abundance. That's what we have now. We have these people who are are supposed to be our leaders. They live in a world we can't even comprehend. Yeah. And they're badly, badly cut off from the average person. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, being in politics 50 years, like, no way, man. I mean, like I said, I would rather vote for uh like that guy that won um in Virginia, the governorship. Um apparently he he was a businessman. He has no political experience at all. I don't know how he's gonna do. I mean, he could go down in flames, he could be great, but but man, you know, when, when people sit there and go, oh, well, he has no experience as a politician, it's like, duh. <laughs> it's a good thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, where are we now? Look at <clears throat> we've had all of these Ivy League bozos. Yeah. You know, where are we? Look at the, the deficit. I mean, uh, look at the the debt. I mean, <clears throat> these people are supposed to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. Do you see any sign of intelligence when you look at some of the things we have to deal with? Yeah. You know? So now, it's like I said, I, w- I would rather vote for an average person than, than you know, somebody that went to Harvard and then Yale and then, you know, everything to them is theoretical, you know. Yeah, yeah it just seems like it's so broken and mm-hmm. I don't know what anybody could do to fix it. It's this thing that – it's this thing that a handful of people came up with mm-hmm. in 1776 mm-hmm. that they wrote down on a – piece of leather with a fucking feather mm-hmm. and now it's this religious document right. that we run our entire 300 million person country mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and not that it wasn't a good idea mm-hmm. not that there aren't some good things that that they came up with that were in that document mm-hmm. but we're at a way different spot we have the internet we have cell phones we right. have cars right we have fucking toilets. Mm-hmm. It was a completely different world mm-hmm. back then. And the, the thought that we can continue to run this civilization based off of that thing mm-hmm. and not make significant changes <clears throat> seems so crazy to me. And that's why I don't have much optimism well, what, for any of it. What would you change? For one, there should be more than two parties. Yeah, but that's not um, that's not pertinent to the document. Yeah, that's not that's not dictated for by, sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are countries like if you go to Europe, uh, I think Italy has, UK has five or six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to say I would I would agree that having more choice would be better. Mm-hmm. The problem is if we had three parties, then the vote split in thirds, and then the largest third wins, and then you know then you have two thirds. Well, that's why there should be a different arrangement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't think the way we have it now is working. Mm -hmm. I don't think it benefits anybody, regardless of whether you voted for uh, Hillary Mm -hmm. or Trump Mm -hmm. or Joe Biden or Obama or George W. Like, regardless of any of those people, they're all 
they're all the same to me, man. Hmm. They're all the same. Yeah. They have they have different things they attempt to achieve in the four uh-huh. years they're in, but uh-huh. they're all, it's just not good. It's not good. Well, let me put it this way. I agree, like when Trump came in and he said he was going to drain the swamp, uh, he was, I didn't, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't aware that there was a swamp. And then as things went on, I realized, boy, there's a swamp, all right. Oh, yeah. And it's deep. It's not 10 feet deep. It's like 100 feet deep. Mm-hmm. And then what you start to realize is there's a cesspool. It's corruption. Everything that you're, you're all the, the problems that you're seeing and perceiving it comes from corruption and payoffs and bribes and, and money, you know. Yep. A sh- the shadow government's doing this and that. and But it's it's so deep and entrenched, you know. I mean, politics is disgusting. You yeah. know, it's, it's an ugly, ugly business. But um, <clears throat> the thing with uh, with the American Constitution and uh, – Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> How long was that there? Um, <laughs> Just happened. Uh, yikes. Um, wow, that's embarrassing. Uh, what was I going to say? The The problem with the American experiment and any democracy that's ever been tried is it's, it's always been a doomed form of government. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is people's, people over, – well, they'll overthrow a dictatorship. They'll start a democracy. And <clears throat> for the first couple of generations, it'll, it'll be great. It'll work fantastic because self-rule is better than being ruled by a dictator. And they'll establish laws, they'll stick to those laws. And <clears throat> what happened is America, if you look at the timeline between 1776 and 1786, 100 years, America leapt, uh, it's almost centuries of, of advancements and the amount of wealth that was generated. And then that, that was only the first century. By the time we reached the end of World War II, we were the dominant superpower in the world. Mm-hmm. That, and the, you know, just the wealthiest nation Mainly because people could come here and start a business. That was really, you know, the whole idea of private property uh, being sacred and being able to start a business caught, you know, generated the wealth that we have now, which has never been seen anywhere else in the world. The problem is, though, once again, is the descendants of the people that started the democracy begin to forget. They forget why democracy was important. They forget why it was made in the first place. You know, we eat three meals a day. Some of us eat more. When, you know, when you wake up in the morning, if you want water, you turn your, your faucet on and it's there. You want to take a shower. Humans don't live this way. We, for the last 12,000 years, <clears throat> all the things we have now, even, even 100 years ago, uh, people didn't have the things that we have now, the, the instantaneous gratification. If you want food, you can, you can go on your phone. You can call Grubhub. And food will, you know, it'll appear at your door in, in a certain amount of time. I mean, most of human history, people starved. Yeah. Unless you were the king. Okay. <clears throat> but we we live in this in, well, for the lack of a better term, we live in Disneyland. Uh, we have everything we want. We're entertained constantly. You know, we're we're not worried about <clears throat> being shot by our next door neighbor, at, you know, or, or God knows what else. <clears throat> we live in, in, in an unrealistic world here in, in the, you know, the West. And unfortunately, our, you, you look at young people, have, you know, they have no grasp of, of what came before or why a democracy was installed in the first place. And one of the – historically, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, when they were done signing it, they all went out into the street and there was a mob of people waiting to see what happened. And a woman shouted at Benjamin Franklin, 
you know, Mr. Franklin, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And what he was referring to was the failure, the historic failure of republics mm -hmm. and democracy, mm -hmm. because he knew eventually people would start to bicker and argue and to pick sides and, and you know, it's just the nature of, of the beast. If, mm -hmm. Like I said, if once again, if somebody would take the time to <coughs> do a decent documentary on the history of democracies, you know, and, and if, you know, when you say, what's the answer? One of the answers is, is to teach his education, unfortunately, which <clears throat> that's gone down the tubes, yeah. you know. But if we taught if we taught children the importance of certain things and why certain things matter, you know, um, democracy is, if you take a, if you look at, a, you know, I don't know how long Homo sapiens have been on this planet. It's, I think, 100,000 years, mm -hmm. right? And civilization may have started about 10,000 years ago. Recorded history, maybe five, I'd say the Bible is the first attempt to write down some form of recorded history. So that's 5,000 years old. Mm -hmm. Democracy has existed like maybe, God, the, if you were to make a, <clears throat> if you had a timeline of human history that was 12 feet long, democracy would be the last millimeter yeah. of the last inch. For sure. You know, that's basically that's that minor spot, that spark. But that's the know. thing is that that's what makes me think like, I don't think we figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, well, once again, you have things like uh, social media dulling everybody's brains. You know, you, <laughs> you got TV, movies, radio, ev all these entertainment factors. <clears throat> you know, if if um, if someone like Benjamin Franklin came to art, traveling to the future, and was visiting you, and you showed him that, that like Mr. Franklin, look at this invention, the television. He would marvel at the the what what wow you can this this magical device gives you access to all of these different ideas. He would marvel at that. And then if you put on, uh, what's that show, Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what he, are you guys doing? Yeah, he, he would be like, this? This is what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so out of balance. Yeah. You know, we have this magical technology that can educate. And look what we're doing, the Cardassians, yeah. uh, Honey Boo Boo, yeah. you know, my 3,000 pound life. It's all garbage. Yeah. You know, one of one of the things I love on my TV, I have YouTube on my TV, and um, I'm, I think I'm going to cancel cable because I don't really watch it anymore. There's like so many history nuts on YouTube who make documentaries that I just watch one history thing after another. You know, I mean, I I must have gotten a college education by now. You know, just watching uh, documentaries about civilizations I'd never even heard of. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, <clears throat> it's too bad. That's the power that we could be exploiting, mm -hmm. you know. But unfortunately, the powers that be want us fat, dumb, and stupid, you know. Yeah, they need you compliant. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like I forget there was a Roman. Um, there was a Roman emperor who built the Colosseum <clears throat> because he wanted the. He said, "We'll give the people bread and circuses. It'll and it'll keep them fat, dumb, and stupid." Mm -hmm. And that's what he he wanted to entertain people. And so their lives just became nothing but entertainment, eating, and partying. <clears throat> and look at where Rome went. Yeah. You know, down the tubes. Mm -hmm. You know, but that was that was somebody's decision. I forgot, like I said, I forgot his name. But there was a Roman emperor who said, let's just find a way to entertain the masses so they're not paying attention anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and God, I mean that if he was alive now and saw what, you know, 
the amount of once again the amount of sheer entertainment you know you have well yeah that's because for thousands and thousands of years Mm -hmm. we had to find food Mm -hmm. and we had to slaughter it and we Mm -hmm. had to eat it we did not die right we had to to find a cave to sleep in or, Mm -hmm. or some sort of shelter like your daily life was trying to survive right and now you like you said you just hit a couple buttons on your phone, somebody yeah. brings you a cheeseburger. Like uh-huh. people create drama <clears throat> and strife and conflict in mm-hmm. other areas of their life because uh-huh. regular life is easy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, I heard a theory that a lot of these protests are a reaction to that. People people need some kind of meaning in their life. They need some kind of passion. Yeah, And a lot of these protests are just filling that gap, you know, and... <clears throat> You know, I had a friend say to me, well, he goes, well, what's the answer? And I'm like, to me, the answer is obvious. We need to get out of the space. We need to industrialize. Once once we leave the <coughs> – once leaving orbit becomes cheap and efficient and, and profit-making, yeah. you'll see a renaissance across the human race that will make everything before it look – like child's play, mm-hmm. but we have to get to that point where we do that. And and you said, you know, I have friends who laugh at me and go, oh, blah, blah, blah. "Why is that so important?" It's because, well, for example, you know, we don't want fossil fuels anymore. I don't. I'm I'm game. I don't want I don't want you know gasoline stinking up the environment either. Mm-hmm. But it's what we have. <clears throat> According to scientists, there are vast, vast reservoirs of power and energy in our solar system that w- we could be harnessing. That's clean. And I, to me, it's like, well, well, let's go get it then. Yeah. You know. Um, it's profit-driven. They're, they're well, fine. Everything. Yeah. Everything's profit-driven. You know. If you can find a way to make money off of it, then people mm. will do it. Sure. That's what it has to be. Sure. That's always been the human the human drive. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that because it's realistic. It's just the way things work. Yeah. You know, but <clears throat> once again, if we can get to that point where suddenly any ambition you have, you you can, you know – you could suddenly pursue something, you know. I mean, think about people who were born without legs, you know, who are confined to wheelchairs. I mean, these people would be the most sought-after workers if we had some kind of orbital station uh, because they don't need legs. Your legs atrophy if you spend too much time in orbit. Yeah, for sure. These people would be sought after. Uh, People who are blind are able to work in in, uh, certain, in in pitch black conditions. They would be sought after, for example, working maybe on the dark side of the moon or, or, near the sun where, you know, somebody with eyes would be damaged. Yeah. In, in other words, the opportunity <clears throat> that would be brought about by that revolution would be un, absolutely unimaginable. Mm-hmm. We, we already saw it. A lot of people, once again, people don't realize this. People say, well, we sent, to, we sent people to the moon. What did we get back from it? It's like you can't imagine the tech explosion that happened as a result. You saw it beginning in the 70s, and then those patent in, the patents that NASA held were made public. All of that led to the computer revolution of the, you know, home PC. The home PC led to the games revolution, which, you know, then you had the internet. And the internet, <coughs> just in the 90s, the explosion of jobs the internet created and and businesses the internet created and, and work opportunities, just in that 10-year, you know, between 91 and 2001, was massive. Yeah. <coughs> and then after 2000, the internet just, just you know, quadrupled in its output. All that came about because we put somebody on the moon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so once again, if we were to, you know, really industrialize space, who knows what kind of, you know, what what the benefits would be? They'll, they'll have to eventually. I mean, that's that's the well, goal. The interesting thing to me is like, why haven't we gone back? They have. Know. 
uh, I believe 10 people have been on the surface of the moon mm -hmm. and they were all Americans. Mm -hmm. And the last time it happened, I want to say it was 72 or 73. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we gone back there in 50 years? That's what's weird to me. Um, oh, I believe the Chinese, did the Chinese just do a moon landing? Not with a human. Why did I hear? I heard they did something. I'm, I have to go look it up, but but the Chinese are very interested in the moon. Okay, for everything that I, all the reasons I was just talking about, they know <clears throat> the potential. They know the or potential future, mm -hmm. and they're staking out claims on the moon. But um, I hate to. All right, you're asking me why we didn't go back. I hate to say my philosophy. <laughs> my feeling is that our civilization is in its downswing. We sort of hit a peak, like most. Any empire that's ever existed hits a peak. They're born, they grow, they hit a peak, <clears throat> and then they begin this downward slide. Uh, I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that downward slide. As a human civilization or as the United States of America? Well, as Western civilization. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So what do you think happens? Well, unfortunately, it's, once again, if you, if you want, read enough history, it's just, it's just a pattern of birth, life, death. I don't want to know what happens after death. What happens after, if America dies, what happens next is something that makes the Middle Ages look like a, a picnic. <laughs> I, I mean, you're already, <clears throat> once again, this may sound horrible to say, but we're, we're on the precipice of a dark ages in that you see people who, there are people walking around Portland who would burn books if they could, they would smash museums. They're already, they're tearing down statues. They're doing it. Okay. Now I'll tell you something, you know, liberals look at this and they're not worried because it's, if they think it's, you know, well, I'm on the left too. If you think those people aren't going to tear down Martin Luther King's statue, you're nuts. They will. That's going to happen. I'm not, it's not a prediction. It's a fact. Okay. And if you, you know, I look now, you know, you can sit there and say, you know, I mean, some people say I'm a conservative. I'm, Conservative, more, I guess I call myself a right winger, but whatever. We need to, <clears throat> conservatives, liberals, right wingers need to join together because the left will put all of us in camps. I mean, it's happened before. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you a perfect, there was a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn who was sent to a Soviet labor camp because he wrote a poem that the government didn't like. And I don't know if you're aware, the Soviet labor camps were horrible. They were in, they were in Siberia. People resorted to cannibalism to survive. It was gruesome. Well, he wrote a book about what it was like because he survived. Um, he talked about, you know, every, you know, every month or so, they'd bring in a new load of prisoners. Well, at some point, those prisoners were Communist Party officials. They were loyal Communist Party officials who'd been branded traitors. <laughs> Basically, some of these people were getting a little too popular, and Stalin didn't like that. So they were framed... They put a gun to their heads, they made them sign a confession, and they were sent to a labor camp. Hmm. And these people were standing in these labor camps. They were hardcore communists. They were all loyal to Stalin. They were standing in a labor camp, and they were like, what am I doing here? How did this happen? <laughs> and they couldn't fathom, <laughs> you know, when you make a deal with the devil, as the saying goes, you're going to get screwed. Yeah. You know? Um, I, you know, <clears throat> I know a lot of people didn't like them. <clears throat> But did you see like did you see Star Wars one, two, and three? Those the prequels? I, I haven't seen the Star Wars. Okay. I've seen bits of one, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, to make there's a character in those movies who's he's uh, a senator, and it's his dream is to destroy democracy. He wants to bring about a dictatorship. 
And he's working throughout the movies to undermine democratic principles and values. And what happens is everybody that joins him, everybody that makes a deal with him, everybody that becomes an ally with him gets their throat cut at some point. And I thought, to me, the character was brilliant because it just shows this is real life. This is what happens when you make a deal with a snake. It's not going to, it's not going to be pretty. I don't know if you know this, but um, <clears throat> Hitler's early origins, for example, Hitler was a <coughs> – a lot of people think Hitler started Nazism. He didn't. He joined <clears> – he was a corporal in the First World War. When Germany lost, they had to disband their military and, the, mm -hmm. you know, and Hitler stayed in the military. <clears throat> and um, he had no career goals. He had no goals whatsoever. You know, he just wanted to stay in the army. And the army didn't know what to do with him and men like him. So <clears throat> the government was worried about there were certain – at the time, there were 17 or 18 different political parties in Germany. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there was catastrophic inflation. There was violence all over the place. <clears throat> the country was really in a disaster. And um, a lot of them were very violent. And one of them was called the National Socialists. So Hitler's commander uh, came to him one day and said, listen, we need you to pretend to join these guys and keep an eye on them <coughs> and then come back to us, you know, with a report. So Hitler goes, okay. So he went and spied on the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, he went to a couple of meetings and realized, well, <laughs> what these guys are saying, they're pretty cool. <clears throat> so he eventually went back to his commander and told him, oh, these guys aren't a problem at all. And he resigned from the military and he signed up with the Nazis full time. Now, at this point, the Nazis were a street gang. For, you know, if you've heard the term brown shirts, they were a gang that wore brown shirts. They would roam the streets of Berlin and other cities looking for, <clears throat> if there was a political rally being held by someone they didn't like, they would show up and they would get into fist fights and, and beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they were always being taken to jail. They were basically just a bunch of thugs. Okay. Um, and the early Nazis were called the SA and, you know, Hitler was part of this group. Well, anyway, long story short, he became their leader. And then he became their, their front man. He became their visible, uh, the person that represented them to the public. Well, as you know, <clears throat> you know, eventually, 10 or 12 years later, Hitler was elected vice uh, chancellor to Germany. And um, then Hindenburg, who was the president, died and Hitler assumed office. Yes. And then the shit really hit the fan. Yeah. Um, Hitler needed more political power. He wanted more, obviously, political power. He wanted to build a war machine. <clears throat> and the problem was that the the SA, who had helped him gain power, were kind of an obstacle. They were a political liability at this point because they were very socialistic and they didn't like the fact that he was hobnobbing with industrialists and, and the major capitalists of, of Germany. Well, Hitler needed them to build his war machine and he, you know, the SA, his, basically, think about this. <coughs> These were his friends. These were the people he went to jail with. Yeah. They were loyal to him and they were becoming a political problem. <clears throat> so one night, um, as Nazism grew bigger, you had the SA and then you had the SS. Yeah. The SS were sort of like the new recruits, you know, like um, people that were coming in. <clears throat> and secret, secret police. Right, exactly. Yeah. <coughs> But they were like, <clears throat> they were like Nazism 2.0, whereas the SA were Nazism 1.0. Okay. At some point, Hitler needed to get rid of these guys. He needed to get rid of the SA. They were becoming too much of a liability. They were standing in his way of, of power. So one night at two in the morning, the SS showed up at all their homes while they were, you know, sound asleep, 
kicked in the door, arrested them. They were all tortured until they confessed. They had to sign confessions mm -hmm. stating that they were part of a coup, uh, some kind of plot. You know, it was all fabricated. It was all bullshit. They were all arrested, tortured, <clears throat> and then they were all put up against the wall and shot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, before they died, screamed, long live Adolf Hitler, because they had no idea <laughs> that he had <laughs> that he had, he had set them up. Hmm. This is what happens when you make a pact with evil. You're going to get screwed. Mm -hmm. You're going to go down the drain. Okay, it's 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 never going to be a good picture, you know. That's that's where we're at right now. Though. Yeah, uh, and everybody mm -hmm. that's that's uh, leaning pretty far left mm -hmm. thinks that everybody on the right is manifest yeah. evil. Yeah, and all these hardcore people on the right mm -hmm. think the same thing about the left. There's mm -hmm. there's no room for discussion. Well, let me give you an example. You know who Brett Weinstein is? Yeah. Okay. Brett Weinstein. He's a great example. Well, <clears throat> Brett Weinstein is a hardcore liberal. He was on the left his whole life. He he was a left-wing college professor. He believed in everything Dr. King did. He fought for civil rights his whole life. He did he attended all these leftist colleges. He taught, you know, he was not a Republican. He was He was not, a professor at Everett, <clears throat> wasn't at he? Ever, Ever, Evergreen State, yeah. Evergreen, yes. Um Totally on the left, total Democrat, total liberal, okay. And then one day, let me, this is the best example. He was a true liberal and then he believed in racial unity, okay. Mm -hmm. Then one day, a leftist student movement demanded, basically they wanted segregation. They wanted to bring segregation back to the school. And Brett Weinstein had the guts to stand up for what he believed and say, no, I don't, I don't believe that. That's not what Dr. King believed. That's not what everyone in the civil rights that's what, no, we, we've, we've been fighting for 60 years yeah. for something else, and it's not this. And he stood up to this mob, and you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. It was filmed with people's phones. It's not doctored photo. You know, I have friends who are like, oh, that's all made up. It's like, it's not made up. Yeah. People film it with their phones, and they upload it to YouTube. It's all footage that's undoctored. You can see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. This man stood up for your beliefs. He's a liberal Democrat. He stood up for all the principles liberal Democrats believe in. And the left tore him to pieces. Mm -hmm. They went after him, him and his wife. Yep. They had to resign. They had to quit their jobs. Mm -hmm. They threatened them with violence. They threatened to kill them. They're now labeled traitors. As far as if you talk to anyone you know, on the left now, like, oh, Brett Weinstein, yeah, he's a, he's a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. Suddenly he's a white supremacist. You know, he's been fighting for black people's rights his entire life. Now he's a white supremacist. He's a racist. He's a bigot. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a homophobe. He's you know, he's anti this. He's anti that. You know, he's probably an anti semite, even though his name is you know Weinstein. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've seen there was a rabbi from Los Angeles. It was a very conservative rabbi who wrote a book about um, conservative politics, and he went to give a speech at some university in Wisconsin. And a left wing student group found out he was going to be speaking, so they demanded that he be, the invitation be rescinded because he was an anti, they labeled him an anti-Semite uh, because he was on the right. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's interesting is they had no idea that A, he was Jewish and B, he is a rabbi. <laughs> I mean, think of how stupid you have to be to yeah. label someone an anti-Semite and that's, they're walking around wearing a yarmulke, yeah. you know? Well, when they found out that he was a, a rabbi, they changed their, their story. They were like, oh, no, no, he's not an anti-Semite, he's a racist. It's like, why am I supposed to trust your opinion you didn't even know the guy was Jewish. Yeah. You know? So the point I'm making is 
you look at Brent Weinstein, he's not a Republican. He's not a conservative. He's been on your side. I would say to any Democrat, this guy was one of you. He was fighting for your beliefs mm -hmm. and he came up against the left and- Got thrown in the yeah, garbage. And this is, your turn is going to come. You know, you can sit there and say, well, I'm aligned with these people. I, you know, I'm not going to do anything about Antifa because they're on my side. Antifa is going to come to your house one day, <clears throat> okay? When they've come to everybody else's, the people you don't like, and taken them away, mm -hmm. <laughs> we know from history, you'll be on that list. Yeah. Okay? And, you know. <laughs> okay, so in, in, in that vein, I have to ask you, mm -hmm. for anybody listening who who's on that side mm -hmm. and who firmly believes Biden is the savior and mm -hmm. Trump is the antichrist. Mm -hmm. How do you justify any support that you have for Trump? What is, what is the reason <clears throat> for believing that he is capable of doing something good? Mm -hmm. Well, for, for one thing, he was president for four years, okay? Yeah. Trump, let me put it this way. I voted for Trump because he wasn't a politician sure. and he was a businessman. <laughs> Trump comes from a philosophy that get it done or you're fired. Yeah. Okay. And we saw that. I fully believe. So he was on the, what was that show? The Apprentice for 12 years. I believe that's what got him elected. I think people watched that show for 12 years and saw him firing incompetence. And people began to say, boy, I wish somebody would do that mm -hmm. in the White House. Mm -hmm. Now, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, um, John McCain, Mitt Romney, these people come from a philosophy of, if you don't get it done, well, I'll give you another 10 million yeah. and another another year. Mm -hmm. And then it's still not done. Okay, well, here's another 12 and a half million <coughs> and six more years. I mean, you look at like government projects just go, they are all over budget. Uh, they, they, you know, the estimate was, if the government says something will cost you know, 500 mil in a year to do, it's gonna be 2.5 trillion and it'll take 11 and a half years. Yeah. And when it's done, it'll be garbage. It'll <laughs> fall to pieces. Like <clears throat> Boston, did you ever hear of the Boston dig? It's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boston built a tunnel right through the center of the city. It took decades longer than it was supposed to. It cost, it went like triple of, not even triple, like 10 times the budget of what it was estimated. <clears throat> and the whole damn thing didn't, it was just a big mess when it was finally done. That's mm -hmm. That's the government to me, okay? And then people look at Trump and say, well, how can you vote for someone like that? And I'm like, like, how can, you got these guys who mess up. They've been messing up for decades. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like Trump said, vote for me, what do you got to lose? I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of these Ivy League bozos who yeah. screw everything up, Yeah. you know? And here's the other thing you say, what well, justify. It's amazing, there was a, I don't know his name, there was a rap star who said, uh, Donald Trump wasn't considered a racist until he announced his run for president. Uh, I thought that was very, very powerful Kanye? statement. I don't think it was Kanye. It was some other dude. I don't know enough rap stars to say Yeah, I, I don't can't. either. But I'll give you my example on that topic. Um, once again, the, the mental conditioning, the brainwashing. Um, Saturday Night Live did a commercial in March of 2016. <clears throat> well, a, they did a parody commercial that was a pro, it was a, supposed to be a pro-Trump political ad where they showed Trump supporters wearing white hoods, burning a cross, or wearing not, you know, swastikas, burning. So they were, <clears throat> basically the commercial was like, it was saying, not very subtly, if you vote for Trump, you're a Nazi bigot racist clan member, mm -hmm. okay? <clears throat> now, you know why that's interesting? So that was March of 2016. 
Donald Trump hosted Saturday Night Live twice. The last time he hosted was in November of 2015. Mm -hmm. 16 weeks before before that that racist commercial. Mm -hmm. How, if Donald Trump is a racist, bigot, homophobe, anti-Semite, you know, Holocaust denier, why did you ask him to host the show mm -hmm. twice? I think the thing with him, you're right. People didn't mm -hmm. expect him to win mm -hmm. and they were looking for something that was different. Mm -hmm. And so he was he was the last person you thought would win. Mm -hmm. I, I remember I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. I, I think I voted for Bernie that year, um, which he wasn't even a candidate. Mm -hmm. um, but that night in November, 2016, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I could not believe it. Uh -huh. I was in shock. Uh -huh. I was like, what the fuck? Seriously? Uh -huh. I didn't support him. I did not support him. Uh -huh. I saw him as a TV personality who is insanely brilliant uh -huh. at accumulating um, support. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think he ever had the interest of anybody other than himself. I think he, I don't think he knows other people exist. I think he just does it for himself. But I think a lot of politicians <clears throat> are that way. Mm -hmm. The reason so many people hate him is because he doesn't care. And he says whatever he wants to say. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain amount of people who- <clears throat> I think there's some people like him for that. Uh, you know. Totally, Yeah. totally. And so it was, he became like one of the most polarizing figures that's uh -huh. ever existed. Uh -huh. And no one can wrap their head around it uh -huh. that he won. He did four years. He said whatever the fuck he wanted to. Uh -huh. And he, he almost won uh -huh. in 20, and now he might run again in 24. Uh -huh. And I honestly think he'll win in 24. Uh -huh. I, I would say if you're a Democrat and you, all right, so in 2016, November, 2016, Trump's elected president, right? And and you're right. You're like, wow, this guy's a TV personality. What's he doing in the White House? <clears throat> you have to be on some level. You have to be honest and humble enough to sit there and say to yourself, look at where we've come to. Look at this is what politics has come to. We've all come to this point, you know, where a, a TV personality has now been elected. <clears throat> and rather than point the finger at Trump, you should be looking at the entire picture and saying, something's busted. You know, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> to me, I, I, you know, to me, Hillary Clinton was a manufactured candidate who. She's more corrupt than anyone in yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah. And once again, the, the, the blinders were on where they're telling us, oh, no, she's not. And meanwhile, you're like, you know, <clears throat> she's just another corrupt politician. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, you, if you didn't vote for her, it's because you hate women. It's like, it's like, no, you know what? That's, first of all, that's a lame thing to say. But second, it's like. She's just like any of these other corrupt bozos. Yeah. You know, she's probably taking bribes mm -hmm. right and left. I mean, there's to me, it was just like, and I think one of the reasons Trump won is because people looked at her and they were just like, I don't I don't want that anymore. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But um I don't I would disagree though, because I mean, I've met, you know, I know there are construction workers that have met Donald Trump, uh, people that have worked for him. They all say that he's a lot different in person. Um, there's a guy I'm a big fan of. His name is Gary Lamb. You know, he's on YouTube. Okay. He's a, a, he was a delivery truck driver. And um, he, his, he got a really good job when Trump was president. And he started being, you know, he started 
his life turned around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he made a video talking, he's a, an African-American gentleman. And um, he made a video on YouTube talking about how great, you know, how much he loved President Trump for what he did for him. Well, the video went viral and it, and Trump saw it and it put, posted on his, his Twitter page. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he eventually called the guy and said, thanks a lot for making that video. And I don't know, I think, you know, there is, to me, there is a connection there between people, blue collar people and Trump in that, in that vein. I could see your point of view where you don't believe that. Okay, fine. But, you know, I, for me, I didn't, I grew up with the guy. And by that, I mean, he was always in New York. He was always this local dude. Yeah, right. He was always this guy that you knew about. Mm-hmm. And he was always building something. And all my friends hated his guts. Hmm. When I was in college in the 80s, which, yeah, I know, right? I, looked, I thought people liked him until like the 2000s. No, no. They, um, keep in mind, I went to art school, so you're getting a- <laughs> He was in Home Alone too. <laughs> he was in Home Alone too. yeah. I mean, do you remember when The Simpsons did, a, they did an episode uh-huh. where they predicted, he, it was it was like yeah. 25 years ago where he was president? Yeah. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my friends hated him. My coworkers hated him. I mean, just there were so many people that couldn't stand him. But I, I was just like, I never had an opinion. I'm like, well, he's just this dude and, you know, he's in construction. And, so you're saying you for, for lack of a better option, if uh, there would have been a different personality who was not a politician, uh, you would have embraced them just as much. Oh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily yeah. him as a person. It was the fact that he was different. I would have voted for Herman Cain. Yeah. Okay. Because to me, he was very genuine. He was a very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. He was not a politician. Uh, he was a nice guy. As far as I was concerned, I thought he was a nice guy. But unfortunately, he was – well, he didn't capture the public's imagination, I guess, on one hand. But um, he was very ill and he did die. Yeah. So I guess that wouldn't have been <laughs> – I don't think he would have lived in – you know. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah, somebody – I voted um, – when I lived in California, it's amazing that this is totally forgotten. I think it was 2008. Uh, there was a woman named Meg Whitman. She was running – she um, ran HP, e- didn't and, she? Yeah, and eBay. I think she was the CEO of eBay and H- she was a big business. She was a CEO know. of a large company. So she ran for governor against Jerry Brown. Uh, Jerry Brown was a Democrat. She was a Republican. And I thought Jerry Brown was terrible. I thought he was, he'd already been in office. I thought the guy was just a lunatic, you know, just a complete fruitcake. And I didn't want him with his hand. And I, I looked at her. She had taken eBay, like when she got hired, it, they were at a certain point, but she had caused them to explode. And once again, I thought business person has business ideas. Mm-hmm. I voted for her because I thought she was just way, way better mm-hmm. than, than Jerry Brown. Well, they made up all this crap about her and slammed her. You know, there was some kind of scandal about her maid. Yeah. <clears throat> so she lost. And I don't even know what happened to her. I haven't heard the name in ages. But um, I kind of think it's funny because in that case, I voted for, you know, I voted for a woman because I thought she just was clearly far, far better than Jerry Brown, mm-hmm. you know? Well, then Jerry Brown got elected and look what California is now, you know? Yeah. I mean, people are leaving there in droves. He's not there anymore, but, uh, you know, Newsom's, Newsom's a disaster as well, you know? The California, whole state's- Yeah, know, California's bad. Da- yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, we were given a choice when when Trump ran against Hillary, it, here's your choice, Hillary or somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just wouldn't, I didn't want her, Yeah. you know? And I mean, like I said, if it had been- you know, I mean, I voted for Mitt Romney against Obama. I hate Mitt Romney, you know, <laughs> but I just figured, you know, he didn't have socialistic beliefs. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, I look at him now, I'm like, what a jerk. But uh, Well, you do know. you think that it's possible that there's somebody who could unify it? No, the, the problem with human beings is we have this savior complex where uh -huh. we're all waiting for this some magical being. Once again, it's utopianism. It's it's not reality. It's you often sometimes you take the guy who the guy or the woman, whoever, comes along, and sometimes you know I, you know it's who's ever there at the time who can fill the shoes, and and you know you kind of a lot of times you're rolling the dice. Yeah. <clears throat> when Winston Churchill came to power, I mean, a lot of people were like, did not want him in office. I mean. <clears throat> he'd made a lot of terrible mistakes during the First World War. He he'd resigned in disgrace. People thought his career was over. And then, you know, they faced the, this menace of Nazism. And a lot of people were like, not, they were like, Churchill? Oh, my God, no way. But, I mean, the guy the guy rose to the occasion. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, had to, you know, <clears throat> he became a, <clears throat> one of the heroes of the Second World War, you know. But, um, you know, same thing, Lincoln... Abraham Lincoln was not um, what you consider a, a very aggressive guy in, in, in person. He was kind of, what's the term? It seems overly gentle. What's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't very assertive. Yeah. Apparently, he had a very high, whiny voice. But um, then, you know, the worst crisis that ever hit this country was the Civil War. And he just turned out to be the right man at the right time. Yeah. You know? cost him his life obviously it's a tragedy mm -hmm. but um i don't know once again this this idea that we're going to follow you know someone's going to come along and both sides of the aisle are going to suddenly you know join it, you know i mean maybe john connor but that's a different <laughs> but that's or schwarzenegger yeah exactly i look at john connor but i'm like we were united under john connor because the machines wanted to kill us yeah. you know but um you know, like I said, it's uh, unfortunately the institutions of higher learning, this has been going on for decades where leftism has been quietly moving in <clears throat> and they've been, you know, they've been firing college professors that don't agree with their agenda at all these universities. Mm -hmm. So we're now seeing the result of decades of leftism being taught at, in our higher institutions. And that's the biggest know. bummer. College, I didn't go to a traditional four-year school, but mm -hmm. for every conversation I've ever had and every thought I've had about a four-year school, that's mm -hmm. where you go to get your mind yeah. Yeah. manipulated and melded and you get mm -hmm. to hear opinions from a hundred different right. areas. And now it's <clears> just <throat> like all these... Uh -huh. All these four-year schools are just very, yeah. very specific on what they're trying to teach you. And that's not... They're not schools anymore. They're seminaries. Yeah. And they're teaching one religious dogma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like you don't you don't go to a Catholic seminary to learn about Buddha. Yeah. Okay. You don't go to a Buddhist temple to learn about Islam. <clears throat> and our colleges now have been... It's corruption. It's societal decay. They've been transformed into these... You know, it's like you said, you you used to go to college to be exposed to different ideas. For sure. Now you go to college to be exposed to one idea. And if you don't like it, <laughs> you're either kicked out or ostracized or, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, it used to be a big joke. People would go to college universities. You know, you, if you go to YouTube, there's all these videos where people go to college university and ask them, uh, they'll ask students questions like, uh, who won the Civil War? You know, simple enough, Right. And none of them know the answer. Have you ever seen these? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and in the 90s, it was a big joke. I thought it was funny. Now it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Because you're like, 
these are the people that eventually go on to hire you know, <laughs> they're they, going to lead the country. Right. Yes, they become lawyers, they become attorneys, they become yeah. doctors, they become senators, they run corporations. I mean, you're seeing the result now. You know, where where like um, what com- you know, all these companies are woke. You know, they're pushing woke messages instead of their products. Um, and it's just people are waking up now and they're stunned to see this. It's like, <clears throat> it's like, yeah, but. You've had several decades of, of basically people being indoctrinated to be stormtroopers for political ideology. Yeah. And now they're running General Motors and they want to have a commercial that's pushing, you know, transgender story hour instead mm-hmm. of, you know, instead of buy our new car. Yeah. You know, I mean, you see that all the time. You see commercials that are pushing the product. <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they, they latch on to whatever they think is the next progressive idea. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong uh-huh. or all they care about is is what's popular and what's going to sell products. Yeah. And that's not the right direction. Uh-huh. No. No, it's like I said, if you want to sell car insurance, you don't, you know, I, I don't know, you don't... You, it's it's if you could somehow work a gay wedding into the theme of the commercial, okay, I don't have a problem with that, you mm-hmm. know. <clears throat> but when the commercial is only about a gay wedding, and you're watching it, and you're like, "What is this commercial for? I don't yeah. even see a product." Yeah, you know, that's where it gets like, huh? You know, so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there are obviously racists, there are obviously uh, misogynists, uh-huh. uh, homophobes. There are a lot of people who hate people for no reason, and uh-huh. that's. It's hard for me to understand that because uh-huh. I just see people as people. Like, uh-huh. if you're lucky, you get 80 years, uh-huh. you disappear, you uh-huh. turn to dust, and people forget about you in 100 years. Uh-huh. You don't get very much time, and it's not worth being here and hating a bunch of people. Uh-huh. That's That requires a lot of energy to hate uh-huh. somebody. It'd be It's better if you can spend your time enjoying things uh-huh. and loving people. Uh-huh. And um, so th- those people exist for sure. sure. But in in our in our civilization now, it's 2021. Those people are the f- we consider them the fringe. Okay, mm-hmm. they are not accepted anymore. Mm-hmm. You turn on TV, movies that I that con- that idea is antiquated. It's considered wrong. It's immoral, mm-hmm. and it is immoral. It's absolutely immoral to think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but these are fringe elements. I mean <clears throat> the. The number one selling form of music in our country is rap music, mm-hmm. okay? And the reason for that is it's bought predominantly by white teenagers. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you can't sit there and say, well, white supremacy is a problem when all these white teenagers in the suburbs are buying rap music. Mm-hmm. At, 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 they're just binging on it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the, you know, one of the greatest things to me about black culture is that it's it's – an enormous industry in that it makes, <clears throat> I forget how many billions of dollars a year, <clears throat> but you look at black culture, black American culture, if you go to Japan, for example, it's so, amongst the young, it's so accepted. <clears throat> uh, Japanese teenagers love rap music. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them have rap groups. A lot of them love wearing rap clothing. A lot of them, when I lived in New York, Chinese uh, Ch- Japanese tourists used to, lo- they used to go to Harlem. They used to go to 125th Street in Harlem, which is, not the best neighborhood, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> they would go into hip-hop clothing stores and they would take their arms. I, my friend Randy opened a hip-hop uh, store and he told me this. He goes, the Japanese tourists would come in like this with their, and they would just grab <laughs> all this clothing and pull it off. Just take it. <laughs> and they would sl- slap it down on the counter. They would just empty out his inventory. Huh. And the reason for that, they would go back to Japan and resell yeah. for a massive profit. 
And they and he would ask them why why is this why are you why are you doing this and they were like oh in Japan uh, you know wrap clothing wrap anything wrap sell off the shell crazy you know yeah. and but that to me is one of the beauties of American black culture is it, it it's become a universal force it's like an an ambassador uh, for the American experience I mean people eat it up there's there's Bosnian rap groups now there's Serbian rap groups. You see the whole, you know, I've seen uh, uh, rap groups in Iraq. I mean, it's, <clears throat> once again, it's this, it's become this loved form of, of entertainment. That, well, yeah, you it, know. it should be a form of flattery. But then mm -hmm. you have people that are upset about cultural appropriation. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And the reason anybody does anything mm -hmm. is because they enjoy and respect that other thing. Yeah. If they're like, if they like MC Hammer and they're buying hammer pants. Uh -huh. It's because they think MC Hammer's cool, right. and that's not a negative thing. Mm. If you if you enjoy Japanese culture uh -huh. and uh, you're watching anime all the time uh -huh. and uh, you love ramen noodles or whatever, uh -huh. like that's a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. That's a sign <clears throat> of love and care. And there's uh -huh. a lot of people that are like, no, if you're white, you uh -huh. can't have cornrows. Well, unfortunately, all right, one of the side effects of leftism is is what I call racial fanaticism. These are racial fanatics. You know, Dr. King said, don't judge me by the color of my skin, judge me by the color of the content of my character. Mm -hmm. These people, it's reversed. <clears throat> they want to see skin color. That's all they see is skin color. Mm -hmm. They see skin color, creed, <clears throat> gender. Everything is broken down on what we were told not to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> I saw a guy who owned a Chinese restaurant saying, when they were asked, he was asked about cultural appropriation, he's like, He's like, look, I, he's like, I can't just serve Chinese food to Chinese people. I'll go out of business. He's like, I need customers from everywhere. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> there were two women in Portland who started a food truck selling tacos. They were attacked by, I don't know if it was Antifa or some other wacko group. Um, some, they were basically attacked. A group of people found out that they weren't Mexican, but they were making tacos. Jesus and they Christ. were, yeah. Now picture, I don't know if you know this, but you know, to start a food truck, you got to go to a bank, you got to get a loan for about a hundred grand just to get, <clears throat> food trucks aren't cheap. You got inventory, you got everything that goes into starting a business. Mm -hmm. These two women started this business selling tacos. Apparently they were very good. And suddenly these racial stormtroopers found out they were the wrong color hmm. to sell tacos and they shut that business down. Yeah. They wouldn't stop harassing them. And who's going to go eat at a truck when somebody's throwing rocks at it? Yeah. <clears throat> and who knows financially what happened to these women? I mean, they may have gone bankrupt or whatever. But but once again, you had racial fanatics determining what somebody can do yeah. for a business, you know? <clears throat> and if I try to tell my friends who are Democrats on the East Coast this, their, their response is always, oh, I don't believe that. That's bullshit. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know... Which one of the reasons I'm glad I'm here today talking to you is if you think that's bullshit, if you think what I said is bullshit, you're going to be next. It's these people will not discriminate. They mm -hmm. are stormtroopers. Okay. All you gotta do is come to Portland and go downtown. Yeah. It's bad news. Mm -hmm. There nobody can operate a business down there anymore. Yeah. Everything's smashed up. Yep. There's plywood everywhere, mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. graffiti everywhere. Homeless encampments, uh, the city has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. And because of defund the police mm -hmm. and because of a number of those officers mm -hmm. getting harassed, they've quit. Mm -hmm. There there aren't enough police, officer, police officers to actually uh -huh. uh, stop crime from mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
downtown Portland is so yeah. fucked yeah. right now. Everything I loved about living here, I mean, dive bars, live music, uh, you know, all the nightlife, great restaurants, <clears throat> those things are gone. Mm -hmm. And it, it gets to the point where you're like, well, if that's why I lived here and it's gone, then, you know, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I have friends ask me uh, if I would move away. If I had the chance to move away, I would absolutely move away. Mm -hmm. And I have friends of mine are like, well, isn't that running away? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't see anybody, I don't see any kind of unified movement to turn things around. Uh, the last mayoral election, what was that woman's name? She was a, a devout Marxist, ran for mayor. I forget what her name was. Yeah. Well, she got 40% of the vote. I mean, Ted Wheeler was reelected, but that's she still got 40%. When Ted Wheeler's not good. And he's, he's a disaster, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, can you imagine a devout Marxist? Yeah. Well, she doesn't care about small business. Yeah. I mean, they as a rule, they don't care about any of those things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't give me hope for the future, you know. I mean, most people in Portland don't see these problems as problems, you know. So... I think it's becoming more mainstream. Mm -hmm. I think there are people who are actually speaking up and saying, hey, uh -huh. this is not getting any better. Uh -huh. We need something to change because uh -huh. we're going on two years now. Yeah. Two years. There was a young black woman. This was over the summer. I think she was 24. She was <laughs> studying to be an EMT. <clears throat> she was parked at a red light over on MLK Boulevard. And uh, a couple of gangs got into a gunfight and were shooting at each other. Anyway, a stray bullet went through her windshield and hit her right in the heart and killed her. You know. <clears throat> now, um, you hear people say black lives matter. Did her life matter? Do you see her picture anywhere? Do you know her name? Did you even hear about this until I said it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the Portland we live in now. You know? I mean, this, this innocent girl was just parked at a red light. Mm -hmm. And... You know, people like, uh, what's her name, Joanne Hardesty, she's really proud of the fact they got rid of the, uh, there used to be an anti-gun anti violence task force in Portland. She's proud of the fact that she got rid of it. It's like, wow, <clears throat> now you're shot sitting at a red light, you know? I mean, what is, what is this hate the police? They hate the police more than they care about public safety. Yeah. You know, and I hope you're, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope, I hope people wake up. I, I'd love to see... A moderate Democrat, you know, at one sit there and say, look, we need police, you know. All right, fine, you're a Democrat, fine. But, you know, you still on some level have to believe in law and order, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I've seen – I know Democrats who say that, that if we got rid of all the police, there wouldn't be crime anymore. Mm. It's like, well – so, technically, you're right because nothing would be against the law. Yeah, but you you, you would have barbarity. Yeah. you would have you know, like I, I'm amazed. You know, when you look at the what happened, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, I'm amazed we haven't seen that here. Yeah, I uh, I, I was wondering I, if we were yeah. going to touch on that. That um, that's another like uh, <laughs> lightning rod, uh -huh. which. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, uh -huh. but from what I know and what I've seen and what uh -huh. I read. He was a stupid 17-year-old kid uh -huh. that went out there. Shouldn't, uh -huh. have, shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. Shouldn't have taken an assault rifle. He thought he was doing the right thing. Uh -huh. You can see in the video, these kids are smashing him with a skateboard. Uh -huh. He was going to get killed. Uh -huh. They 100% were about to kill that kid. Uh -huh. He shot them in self-defense. Uh-huh. 
the whole thing is awful. The whole thing is terrible. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how watching that video and mm -hmm. understanding anything about what happened, I don't know how you would argue that was not self-defense. Mm -hmm. They were gonna fucking kill him. Yeah. And they weren't kids. Some of them were in their mid-20s and had long felony records, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the problem with the the entire Rittenhouse case is it's not Rittenhouse at all. It's the governor of Wisconsin, mm -hmm. okay? You know, a riot broke out in, in, in Kenosha and the governor did not send in the police that were, you know, he, he sent in a tiny, tiny force when the police told him they needed like quadruple what they had. He didn't send in the National Guard. He didn't do anything you're supposed to do in terms of a riot. He let that city burn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, once again, you leave people up to, you know, <clears throat> there are savages running around your neighborhood doing whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to get killed. Yeah. In, in, the, in the Since these all these riots started back in 2020, so I think 29 people have been killed altogether. Once again, do we know, you know, <laughs> have you ever heard their names or, <clears throat> you in know. In Kenosha? Uh, no, all over the country, 29 people have been killed. Once again, their names aren't aren't publicized. We don't know anything about these people, you know. But, you know, when like here in Portland, the mayor won't let the police stop these riots. The DA won't prosecute. Like they, they arrest these people at night and let them out in the morning. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if they were sent to jail for three months, just a three-month sentence, we wouldn't have had a hundred days of rioting. Yeah. You have you have adults abdicating their responsibility and not being adults. They're not leading, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And the public is left to fend for themselves. Yeah, because you know? there are extreme people mm -hmm. applying pressure to them and keeping them from doing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's and, not good. And They're, then it's a big surprise somebody got killed. You know, once again, it's like who cares about? I don't care about Rittenhouse. I, that the groundwork for somebody being murdered was 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 laid days before that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, God, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, but once again, I, I'm 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 amazed in Portland we haven't seen something like that every day, you know, because you like you said you, you know you've been downtown you know what it looks like you know I mean, <coughs> Antifa has has often said they plan to <clears throat> at their rallies they've claimed that they're you know the next stop is the suburbs are going to go out to the suburbs they apparently they tried that they, they were up in like North Portland area I think yeah yeah marching around you know mm -hmm. demanding loyalty from different homeowners and stuff. Apparently, they tried going into Beaverton, and they were going to begin, you know, harassing people. Mm -hmm. The only problem is Beaverton has a different DA, mm. and the DA Beaverton said, "If you break one damn window, I'm throwing your ass in jail for a year." Mm -hmm. And suddenly, <clears throat> Beaverton was hands off. Yeah, which once again shows you act like an adult. You're you're elected to, to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Do what you're supposed to do. Do your job. Don't let mobs run around doing whatever they want. Yeah, there's a difference between protesting and smashing windows and yeah. setting things on fire mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just causing issues. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, there was a, a protest. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a protest against the W3. That What is that? That big financial conference. Is that what it's called? Mm, I don't know what that Something, is. Something, I don't know. Anyway, it was being held in Seattle. And there were all these people protesting. Some of the people protesting were hippies, like ex-hippies from the 60s, and others were like younger people. <clears throat> the younger people began throwing bricks through Starbucks windows. And the older hippie people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not what yeah. we do. <laughs> they were like, they're like, protesting isn't about smashing. It's about, you know, getting your message out there. Mm -hmm. But they're like, you're, you're smashing at people's 
property. They're they're know? ruining yeah. the movement. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's like Occupy Wall Street. When that first started, you remember the beginning of Occupy Wall Street, it was a hardcore group of people with mm -hmm. these ideas. And then these other people started showing up and they began to eclipse. Yeah. The, and the original people left. And then you were left with these people that didn't really care about ideas. No. They just no. wanted to burn things down. Yeah. You know. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, like you said, I hope, I hope you're right. I mean, I don't understand why being a Democrat means you have to throw <laughs> common sense out a window. Yeah. You know, um, it's like you said, um, you wish there were three parties. I mean, I, I wish. I, I wish, wish there were five I, or six parties. I wish I had someone to vote for that I really wanted. Yeah, same here. You know, but I don't. I, you know, um, right now, I see the Democrat Party as being full of socialists. They believe in socialism. I don't believe in socialism. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I can't vote for them. And unfortunately, I have to vote for, you know, you know, Republicans who I, I'm not crazy about. Mm -hmm. But it's always with the belief that maybe they'll they'll hold the line against this, mm -hmm. which they don't. They suck. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've been disappointed so many times <laughs> for people I thought they were going to keep my interests aloft and mm -hmm. they, they folded like a cheap camera. Yeah. You know, so I can see where Trump came from. I can see why he surfaced, you know, he, he, as somebody who was like, look, I'm, I'm done with this. Like I said, I would rather more, more business people, more truck drivers. Mm -hmm. I'd vote for a truck driver over anyone who went to Harvard Law <laughs> in a minute, you know. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Some 53 foot truck driver just runs and gets it. There was a guy that did in Jersey. Really? But there was a truck driver who ran against some a Democrat who'd been in office for like 25 or 30 years. Huh. And he beat the guy. Nice. <clears throat> you know, I would rather I'd rather vote for a waitress. Yeah. I'd rather vote for a, a, an ex-cop, a yeah. firefighter. Uh-huh. Anybody who lives on planet Earth uh -huh. with the little people. Yeah. Then vote for these guys. Yeah. You know. And, you know, right now. Yeah, I vote Republican because I don't believe in socialism. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I like any of these guys, you know. I mean, a lot of them are a huge disappointment. Mm -hmm. But hey, I mean, you, you take what you can get. Yeah. You know. Cool. I think that's a good spot to shut it down. Wow. I appreciate it. How long have we been talking? It's been almost two hours. Holy smokes. It goes by quick, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, I appreciate awesome, it. I appreciate you having me come in here.